I don't think you can read any historical account of uh, Jesus and not find that he was a minimalist. Welcome to the C-Tam Living Podcast. I am Bob Lodick. I am so glad to be talking to you today. Hope you're having a great day. Today, I get to talk with a good friend of mine, Joshua Becker, who I'm so glad I met a few years ago, and we've had so many fascinating conversations, and this one isn't any different that you get to uh, be a part of today. We're talking about minimalism and specifically how it pertains to a Christian and kind of asking the question whether or not Jesus was a minimalist and what the Bible has to say about minimalism and all this. So I think you will find this fascinating whether you have any intentions of living a minimalist life as well. And if you haven't heard some of the other conversations with uh, that I've had done with Joshua on minimalism, definitely check those out because he has made minimalism very approachable to me. I was somebody who was just kind of freaked out by this idea and he made it a whole lot less scary. And so I consider myself a minimalist now, but I'm definitely not one of those people who, you know, has like one fork, one knife and one plate, one pair of pants. Like his kind of approach to this is very rational and reasonable. And I forgot how he defines it exactly, but it's it's very much just getting rid of the excess junk that you don't need and focusing on the things you really enjoy. And I, I like that approach to things. It feels good. It feels right. It doesn't feel crazy and off the, you know, off the wall. But regardless, I think you will enjoy this conversation. So with all that out of the way, let's get to it. First question, do you think Jesus was a minimalist? Why or why not? <laughs> Yes, I absolutely. I I don't think you can read any historical account of uh, Jesus and not find that he was a minimalist. I think he even talks about not having a place to lay his head. And you find him calling the people who follow him also to embrace this lifestyle. Certainly the story of the rich young ruler where he says, sell your possessions and come follow me. Life is not found in the abundance of possessions and the disciples he calls to to leave everything. And so he calls people into that lifestyle in order to follow him as well. However, let me let me make a one point that still looks different from person to person. So the 12 yep. disciples, like he tells them to leave their nets and their boats and come follow me story of the demon possessed man in Matthew, who Jesus casts out the demons the guy comes up to him. He's like, I'm ready to go where, you know, I'm ready for the boat. Where are we headed next? And Jesus says, no, 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 no. You go back to your home. You go back to your city and, and you tell the people about what I've done in your life. And so the disciples, he tells, leave your job, leave your home, come follow me. But this man who's following him, he says, no, no, go, go live in your house and be a witness in your city doing what you're doing. So it looks different, right? Yeah. I was thinking, does that mean that that man goes back and buys the biggest house that he can find and the nicest gated community that he could possibly find and buy the most expensive car that he can find? Probably not because you find all these principles and all these other truths in, in Jesus. But yes, anyway, your question is about Jesus. Yes, I think you absolutely find him to be a minimum. Yeah, I mean, sure. and I feel like I've seen that too. And when he was sending out, and I, I don't know if you mentioned this, when he was sending out the disciples, said, don't take an extra cloak, you know, and, and just, uh, I don't remember specifically what he told them, but very, very go without many possessions. And so I think that makes perfect sense. So, okay. So as you, as a pastor, um, you've worked with, I'm assuming you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm sure you've seen a lot of people's issues. You've talked to a lot of people about their struggles. I mean, in this, as a pastor, you see everything, you hear everything, all the issues everybody has and um, all over the map. And what I'm curious about is how do you think consumerism, 
materialism contributed to some of those issues, particularly the ones that maybe you wouldn't think would be caused by that. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, let me try to think of something that would be a surprise. So I'm thinking like marriage issues that people might have, you know, financial issues. You know better than I do of some of the things that people came to you with. I once interviewed someone for a paid staff role at a church. He wanted to be like very passionate about Christ and serving him. And, and so he wanted a paid position at church. And so we talked it over and had the interview and it went pretty well. And then we got to the question of salary. And uh, when he saw what the salary was going to be, it was the reason he couldn't take the job because his lifestyle had become accustomed to a certain salary and a certain pay scale that he had. And he knew it was going to be a pay cut to go to church, but he didn't to start working at church. But like it was more of a pay cut than I think he thought it was going to be. Yeah. And he couldn't see how the numbers would work because of the house that he had, like the mortgage he had, the car payment that he had. I think there were even some student loans still that they were paying off. And so because of those factors, it prevented him. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Like maybe God, I, I don't know. But it seemed to me that- Yeah, I know where you're going. I that, see where that, you're going. That, that that burden was in a way that he didn't realize it was keeping him from serving Christ in some ways that even deep down he he wanted to. So that's one that, that comes to mind as you're as I'm kind of thinking through. Yeah, now looking back, I mean, certainly you have financial stress and the you know the differing views on how to run a home, and that so certainly yeah. you have some of those. I think people can point to. But I'll also one thing I was thinking about when you were asking that question is. I think materialism does cause some of those issues, but I almost think materialism is a cause as a result of like even deeper heart issues. Like I I think a lot of the consumerism that we have is because of discontent in our lives or jealousy in, in our heart or wanting to impress other people looking for happiness in the world. I think that our discontent is evidenced in our excess is kind of how I've come to say it. When you're when you're discontent and you don't have any money, it looks like envy or jealousy, you know, those types of things are pop up. But when you are discontent and you have money, then I think it looks like overstuffed closets and drawers that don't f- fill and garages where we can't park our cars in because we're missing some happiness. And so we, we go buy whatever we think is going to fill that hole. It doesn't. And so we go buy something else to try to fill that hole and it never does. And we just end up accumulating more and more yeah. uh, and more stuff. So I think it's both, uh, both a result of some internal issues and then it just compounds the issue in all the, all the different ways that you, that we've already mentioned. Yeah, that's really good. I mean, because that that makes perfect sense that it's tied to these deeper heart issues. Yeah, I mean, because I I feel like I've definitely seen that trickle up in my life in different areas, you know, and I think we all can observe people who we know who it's like, oh, yeah, you know, that could be the case. And not that that's where we should go with it. But I think we we see that and we understand that does just does come from those heart issues. 
We've talked a good bit about personal finance, and I know it's something that you care about, that you were close to writing a book on. And I'm curious what role minimalism should play in our personal finances. I mean, what that, yeah, and I'm going to leave this pretty open-ended and let you just kind of run with it from there. Probably the starting piece of advice for every financial advisor is spend less, right? Like this is the first step in any, in any personal finance plan. It's, it's spend less money. But so many people, maybe myself even 10 years ago, would see that as a sacrifice, like a difficult step. Like, oh man, if I, but if I spend less money, then it means my life is going to be boring. It means I'm not going to have nice things. I'm not going to enjoy living. Until I started actually owning less, like until I found minimalism and found how owning fewer things freed up my life to go do all those things that actually brought me happiness and purpose and fulfillment in life that that all the things I was spending money on weren't adding value. They weren't contributing to my life. They were actually burdening my life. And suddenly this entire first step of spending less didn't become a sacrifice. I I think it became an invitation to, you know, refocus my life on, on things that actually matter. And so, yes, when it comes to personal finance, when you buy less stuff, you're spending less, when you own less, it costs less to take care of. Um, and so you have more money available for whatever you need it for. If it's to get out of debt, if it's to build up a savings, if it's to become more generous, if it's to change jobs, you know, more money available becomes different depending on where we are in our own personal financial journey. But uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Point with um, the guy who was applying for the job, that's a really big motivator to me. And we've talked, um, I've talked to a whole bunch of readers over the years who that same type of thing where they feel called to do X or Y, but financially they're in a position where they feel like they can't do it because of all this debt or whatever else. And I mean, I feel like just right there, it frees us up to honestly, for it to be a little bit easier to do this, some of the things that God might be calling us to do. And so maybe God is calling us to retire or take a retirement at 60 years old so that we can go serve, you know, in this not-for-profit for free for the next 20 years of our lives. And if we don't save for that point, or if we are, you know, debt-ridden at that point, it makes it a lot more difficult to do. Yeah. Or if we see it as a, a step down into, oh man, I'm going to have to move into a smaller house. All those things I found just to be wonderful blessings. We moved into a smaller house and we love it. My, I own fewer clothes. I, I love it. Like I've, I've loved almost every change that, that we've made for owning less. I, I don't see it as a sacrifice anymore, but as a better way to live. Yeah. So what's funny about that. So we moved, my wife and I spent four years in an apartment when we first got married. Then we bought our first house in St. Louis where we lived there. And then we moved to Franklin, Tennessee, and we bought a bigger house here. Part of the reason was knowing that we were going to have guests a lot, and we did. <laughs> the first couple of years, we had, it was like we running a hotel. But in terms of our personal preference, it's definitely the older, smaller house over this one. And on some days, it's even the apartment over that one, just because smaller, simpler living just felt better. Now, obviously, apartments come with some issues, you know, that are separate things, but... 
in terms of the actual size of the space, that really was attractive, you know? Yeah, we moved into a smaller house when we moved here to, to Phoenix. I started this journey in Vermont and we moved from 2,300 square foot into 1,600 square foot home, which isn't, you know, tiny compared to yeah. certainly most of the rest of the world, but we love it. And again, we're a family of four, so, so it works for us. And I'm a big seasons of life guy. Like, I think it's important to embrace your season of life and um, kind of live for that, that season that you're in. And when my two kids are out of the house, I, maybe, I mean, my mother-in-law, when her kids moved out of the house, she, she moved into a, you know, smaller town home. And yeah. so who knows, like, who knows what that, what the next stage of life looks like. But I certainly loved downsizing and all the opportunity that it provided yeah. me. For sure. All right. Let me read you this quote. This is from Larry Burkett. And I'll tell you where I'm going with this. But he says, the minimum provision that God promised is that he will not allow his people to go hungry or to beg bread. And the very fact that there are many people, including Christians, who are hungry and begging bread says that many of God's people have failed the fundamental concept that God put in his word, the concept of sharing. So I'm curious, A, if you agree with that, and B, how that ties into all of this. Well, I want to agree with it. Sounds really good on paper, doesn't it? it, Um, I think of the Old Testament, the Israelites are wandering around in the desert and and they get manna um, every single morning and, Mm -hmm. and their direction is to just take enough for the day. And there's enough for everyone if each family just collects what they need for themselves and doesn't try hoarding extra. I do think for the most part, there's truth to it. I mean, you run into a little bit of a world where there just is a lot of dishonesty and corruption and, you know, are there other ways to, to get food around in proper ways? Probably. I mean, I think those are all solvable problems. So for the most part, yes, I would agree with what Larry said. And I think that's just such a challenge for us as, I mean, basically the wealthiest Christians who have ever walked the earth. That's what most of us in the U.S. are. You know, and Paul talks about this. I think it's in Timothy. I don't remember what's the one where he gave instructions for the rich and all these different things that the rich are supposed to do. And I've created a separate video all about this, just walking through like, this is for Americans. This is for us. This is what we are supposed to do. And I think there's just so much that we're missing out on because it's easy when you're surrounded with abundance to get focused on yourself and how can I make my life as simple and as comfortable, pain-free as possible. And that level of comfort just makes it really, really hard to get out and serve God when he calls you to do something that's beyond the norm. You know, I'm, we have our fireplace that's been roaring the last um, month or two. And I love it. Like I get close to that thing. I get all cozy. But when that time comes when I got to get up and walk through the rest of the cold house, it's just really, really hard, you know, versus when the fire's not going, I'm just walking through the house. It's no big deal. And I feel like it's just really similar where we're just so accustomed to so much that it becomes more difficult to actually get out there and do what we should be doing. Yeah. I mean, you can't read the New Testament without seeing tons of instructions to the rich and tons of instructions to the wealthy and warnings. Like there are far more warnings to wealthy people in the New Testament than there are to people who live in poverty. One problem is there is nothing more relative in the world than money. And so we, as literally the wealthiest Christians that ever walked the face of the earth, like living a lifestyle that 
is so out of the norm, like thousands and thousands of years, no one's owned as much stuff as we do today. Like it's, it's highly abnormal, the lives that we're living. We can read all that stuff and read all those warnings to the wealthy and automatically think of someone wealthier than us that these warnings apply to and not us, right? Like that's the, the greatest danger of wealth. uh, I think is that, um, we're even blinded to the fact that we actually are wealthy and all of these warnings. Yeah. And that was the whole point of that video that I made was pointing out, I'm sure you've heard of it, that website, globalrichlist.com. I think it is just because it's eye opening because you can type your salary in there and you can see, wow, I didn't realize I was a one percenter. I feel like I'm behind everybody I know, but I'm actually in the one percent. It's eye opening if you let it be, you know what I mean? Yeah. All right. So Minimalist Home is coming out December 18th, 2018. Where can people find this? Yes. Everywhere. Everywhere. Uh, Everywhere books are sold, right? (laughs) People can find it everywhere. And in every format, uh, hardcover, ebook, audiobook. I narrated it myself. Awesome. Um, Yes. It should be available in most every bookstore. Uh, Christian Bookstores is a Christian publisher. So the book isn't explicitly Christian, but it should be in Christian bookstores as well as all the Barnes and Nobles and can, you can order online from Walmart if you want. So every store is selling the book about buying less stuff. So <laughs> the irony, I love it. <laughs> All right, man. Well, it was good chatting with you as always. And um, yeah, we'll have to do it again soon. Thanks so much, man. All right. Well, I hope you found this helpful. We had a good time having this conversation and it was beneficial for me to have this conversation. And yeah, I'd just love to hear what your thoughts are on all that. And also, if you have any other suggestions for podcasts that you would like to hear, let me know over on Twitter or reach out to me over on the website, seedtime.com. Have a great rest of your day. Be blessed and I'll see you next time.